Peter Cunningham, my boss. If you could describe this dinner with racers in one word, what would it be? We, hold on. No, no. What? Uh, you gotta, he's, he's more than your boss. But people are going to know the that. No one's going to be like, who's P.D. Cunningham? P.D. Cunningham, my boss. God damn it. And? And seven-time driver's champion in sports car racing. And Fedemetsu's my boss. What I like is the cold stare. Yeah, like that you better know his every, damn stats. Every conversation yeah. ever. Yeah. Just a dead eye. Yeah. 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 I'm you more than your boss. That's what he's saying right now with his eyes. Are you done? No. If you could describe this dinner with racers in one word, what would it be? Jugglers. <laughs> what? <laughs> Con context? Jugglers. <laughs> You're, You're just saying the I same word. word. <laughs> You're both jugglers. Okay. Go on. Proceed. You like to juggle? <laughs> What's happening right now? <laughs> I don't know where I am. He's so proud of him. He's thrown us off. And now for Dinner with Racers, presented by Continental Tire. With your hosts, Ryan Eversley and Sean Heckman. Placeholder Radio. Welcome to Dinner with Racers. I'm Ryan Eversley alongside my co-host, Sean Heckman. And this particular episode is important to me because it's my boss, P.D. Cunningham. If you're a road racing fan, you know that P.D. Cunningham has won more championships and world challenge than anybody else in the history of the world. He is a longtime ambassador of Honda and Acura brand race cars, street cars, rally cars, you name it. And having him on was something I wanted to do last year, but unfortunately we just couldn't make it work with the schedule. So we were happy to have him on this time. And this particular episode was probably the worst hangover I've ever had in Dinner with Racers history. And that's because it was in Las Vegas. So at this point in the journey, we drove our Honda Odyssey. That's right. With uh, what tires? Continental tires. Cross contact LX20s. Uh, at, by this point, we've gone across the country down into Florida, over to Texas, and now back. And now we're in Las Vegas for the very famous SEMA show. Uh, for those who don't know what SEMA is, it's a big trade show, more for like the aftermarket and tuning community, more so than motorsports, but a lot of motorsport activity happens there. Uh, Ryan is at SEMA anyway for a, uh, a bunch of work that he does with uh, who again? Continental Tire. Uh, as well Social as Social media. As well as <laughs> <laughs> Social media. <laughs> And, and uh, we were and also there announcing our uh, program for next year with the Acura NSX across uh, both World Challenge and IMSA. So big week. And the night before we recorded this was Continental Tires, massive party they put on for all their partners and sponsors and, and people that they work with in the industry. So naturally, I had to participate. And so the funny part of this story was that I was leaving uh, the club. The club. About an hour after you left LA to come back and pick me up yeah, to so, go to breakfast. So I dropped <laughs> off Ryan in Las Vegas to do a couple days of SEMA. I actually had to go back to LA for a couple different things and then came back to Vegas. So right. I, trying to get the maximum amount of time I could out of LA, I actually drove. We had to meet Petey at uh, 8 a.m. Right. Which meant we had to get to whatever restaurant at 7 a.m. Right. 
So I had to, in order to make sure I was on time, get you picked up, all that, I had to leave Los Angeles at 2 a.m. To, to make sure I was safe. So yeah. I leave at 2 a.m. I'm I'm an hour, hour and a half down the road. I, uh, I pull up my phone and I'm at a gas station, check Twitter and see a tweet from Ryan Eversley posted like 20 minutes before going, going out with behind the guys, good night. <laughs> I'm like, I'm already on the road to go to work, dude. Right. And uh, and in fairness, I show up at your hotel at 6.30, and you were ready. I was ready you to go. You were on time. I was on time. I'll say that. You were on time. Okay. You were on time. <laughs> uh, anyway, so then we- uh, You looked as bad as I did. Yeah, I've been up <laughs> since 2. I went to bed at midnight and got up at 2 and then drove. Yeah, so, okay. Well, I uh, went to bed at 3.30 and woke yeah. up at 6. Yeah, having fun. Having a grand Have, time. Yeah, well, hey, good look, for you. Hey, look, those parties are hard, man. Like, it's not just fun and games. You're working. No, I believe it. Work so hard. Yeah. All right. So, all right. So, we drive down to the world-famous Pepper Mill. Yeah, Which is like cool a staple coffee shop of Las Vegas. Got to go there if, yes. uh, if you're in town. Meet up. Uh, oh, by the way, shout out. Peggy. Peggy. Who, I guess, maybe owns it? We don't know. Yeah, she definitely runs the she show. She runs the show, and she couldn't have been more helpful. The place is packed. There's a, you know... Every table's got people sitting down because it's SEMA, so all these business people are up early to get breakfast with their clients and whatnot. And she was still very accommodating to get us a table with an electrical outlet, which is hard to do at a lot of places like that. So Peggy at the Pepper Mill, if you're ever there, give her a high five. She'll never remember us, but yeah, really but cool she was people. Awesome. So we went there, we had breakfast, we talked about different things as well from, from PD, like uh, what it's like running a race team, how we've seen the sport change over the years. Uh, I believe you called Boris, said some sort of derogatory term he had a couple yeah um, just things like that that you'd expect from a guy that's been around forever that's got a great sense of humor and uh, that's that was my take on the whole thing so. I'd never met Petey which is funny considering okay. we've been in the same circles forever right and he was all right <laughs> <laughs> once again thanks to Honda for providing us the Honda Odyssey to take us 12,000 miles across 29 states and of course we couldn't have done that without great tires from Continental Tire. There you go. Cross contact LX20. <laughs> Put the phone down. Stop. Stop. With the <laughs> See? That's what you get. Oh, what have I done? All right. Goodbye. Meow. All right. We're going to start in five, four, three, two. Hey. Welcome. Hey. See? Oh, wait. My, oh, you know what? I have no problem. Let me, let me unblock you here. All right, there we go. You got room? What did I miss? <laughs> I, I threw up in the bathroom. No. <laughs> Not in a while. Sounds right. Yep. Hey, nice finally meet. How are you? Oh, right. Put on that headset. <laughs> yeah, it's great. We've never met. I didn't realize that I don't until think right so. now. Yeah. Um, are we live? <laughs> to, to the masses. <laughs> <laughs> Who was it that this year thought we were live for like half an hour? Uh, there was somebody that was like, so if you're listening at home right now, go to my Twitter feed. Like, oh, no, yeah, you're right. We're going to have to edit that. I cannot think of who that was. Yeah, <laughs> uh, whatever. Yeah. So. How you feeling? Good. Yeah. You. So last night at the we had a Honda dinner before I went to the Continental Party, which ended at, like, our dinner ended at, like, 1030. Yeah. And you're like, well, got to get home. Got to get up early for a podcast. No, I said for an appointment. For an appointment, right. Because right. I didn't want to blow our cover. Right. And, and then you blabbed it. And I was like... <laughs> Well, I'm going out drinking. <laughs> and I woke up about an hour ago, and I went to bed about three hours before that. So, so how are you doing? How are you feeling I'm good? I'm hanging in there. 
Yeah. I don't, not loving it. No. You're going to have to carry this. Okay. Yeah. Go. <laughs> Go. Uh, <laughs> be funny. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have sound effects. Like I feel no, we're wearing headsets. Add those later. We're we're, yeah. we're wearing headsets in the middle of a, a very busy diner right now, so I feel like we're like Mad Dog and Jimmy in the morning. Right, right. There's uh, a long line to get in. Yeah. Yeah, we must have got it right because we're big players. We got <laughs> clearly Peggy hooked us up. Yeah. 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 Anyway, have you been here, Peppermill? I have not been to Peppermill. Never heard of this. Thing. I heard, but there's like all kinds of people that we know here. Yeah, it's like the entire SEMA convention is here. I um, the couple of stints I've done in Vegas for for other projects. This is kind of a good place to go at 7 or 8 in the morning because the food's okay. It's got a certain nostalgia to it. But at 7 or 8 in the morning, it's not that busy. Except for SEMA, apparently, yeah, 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 where yeah. everyone in the goddamn convention hall is here. I did not expect it to be this busy. Yeah, I mean, every Are we allowed table. to f swear? Oh, yeah. Mm, we're going to have to edit that. <laughs> <laughs> so we're here during SEMA. That Ryan was telling me this is like your 20th SEMA that you've been to. Uh, maybe 23rd. <laughs> I was 11 when I first came. <laughs> But, but, I mean, but specific, specific to you, like, uh, SEMA doesn't have a lot of appeal to me because of the work I do and because I'm primarily just in the, the motorsports field, whereas obviously you, you do stuff beyond just motorsports, correct? Not really. I mean, n not to the extent that's going on here at SEMA. I mean, sure. yeah. we don't do chrome fender lips or underbody lighting at real time. Right. <laughs> okay. Um, you also don't have a neck tattoo. <laughs> not yet. Or Can a flat But yeah. I walked by two of them on the way here. Yeah. Okay, good. Places I'm, I'm what not color sure are your which socks? one I'm going to go to. <laughs> what color are your socks? My, they're black. Okay, good. Yeah. All right. Yeah. We're doing all right. Okay. You're getting, you're getting we're, I guess we're starting from the ground up. Um, does any of your, so so you probably don't know this, but no. PD runs real-time racing, run, or real-time ink. Real-time RNL ink. Runs the Stone Tire Driver Academy. Kind no, of like what's no, it called? No, you explain it. It's uh, <laughs> just any of their dynamic events for new tire introductions. Okay. You know, like a ride and drive program. We yeah. call it something different, but it's, but it's um, press programs, dealer <coughs> programs, dealer training, new tire launches for dealer principals, media, and we even do some team driving nice. uh, events for all things. Well, they use... We're going to bleep out down, by the way, <laughs> just okay. so you know. Um, <laughs> the, gonna the, the teen events use stone tires on the event vehicles that we okay. use, but uh, the other events do competitive comparisons oftentimes. Okay. Starting out with your career, according to Wikipedia, you happened upon an autocross. That's the exact wordage. And that that's something that you... you a contest held in a parking lot. After winning your class on the first day, he became enamored and engulfed in the sport. Did you write this? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's very well written. <laughs> Aaron may have written that. <laughs> right. Um, so when we met with Hurley Haywood earlier, he told us a story about how he got started, and he was doing an autocross in a Corvette, I think. And Peter Gregg showed up to this autocross with a truck and trailer, a car, and mechanics to an autocross. Wow, that was probably something else it, but way back when that might have happened. Well, we were like laughing about it because it's like if that happened now, you just laugh that guy out of the parking lot. So talk about your first couple years in the motorsports. You told me the story before. Yeah, I mean, like specific to me, like I've always known you as the Honda guy or the Acura guy. And Ryan was telling me actually BMW is kind of where you started. Nope. 
No, I, I didn't say that. Ryan did not say that. <laughs> I said at certain times. At certain times, you had BMWs. BMW. All right. Why, you don't, you guys, why don't you guys yeah. just talk? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Petey, hang on for a second. Okay. <laughs> right. You, you weren't always a Honda guy. <laughs> <laughs> so no, Sean had asked me about your endurance racing career. That's right. And I said at times you raced with the BMW factory team. Right. Ninety-eight through part of two thousand one. Um, with Team PTG BMW ah, running E36 M3s and E46 M3s uh, in American Le Mans or Grand Am or whatever series. Whatever the hell they want they to were, they, were, they were competing series, so it was just kind of a hodgepodge of sure. uh, different series that we competed in. Sure. But kind of going back to where you started it, you know, so you, you go way before becoming kind of the Mr. Honda that you are today. I started autocrossing in a Saab in 1980, and then RX-7s in 81, 82, 83, and then went road racing in 82, club racing, showroom stock. Um, and this was just you doing all your own prep? Yeah, you know, showroom stock, so there really wasn't that much to do, but right. we had access to right, people that could help. Where'd you grow up? Milwaukee. Okay. So you've been in Wisconsin this whole time? The whole time. Okay. Yep. But, uh, yeah, I mean, to tell a little bit of the chapter there, and then in 1984 I ran a back into Saab 99 because I saw in the funny papers in the off-season that that car was becoming eligible for the very popular class showroom stock C and um, ended up doing pretty well in that season, 84, uh, won the Central Division Championship, won the June Sprints and some other national races, went to the runoffs, which were always at Road Atlanta, and um, didn't do as well as we would have liked, but we were the best front-drive car, at least, in a class of a bunch of Datsuns that okay. were the hot sure, ticket. Sure. But uh, just through lo the luck of it, I met a fellow that was competing in the same club racing races that I was, but in a couple classes up, his name was Martin Dieperink, and we got to talking and <coughs> we decided to form a team the next year. So um, with my input and expertise, and that's with a small I and a small E, um, we formed this team, MPS Motorsports, and we used his Toyota Supra in the inaugural season of the Playboy Endurance Championship, uh, and then in with limited success, but we did all the races and had a good team and a growing team and whatnot. <coughs> and then we switched to a Nissan in uh, 1986 and uh, did that, kind of did partial season in what was then the Escort Endurance Championship and then the Firehawk Championship. And then in 87, switched to a Corvette and went up another class and uh, had some cool co-drivers like Greg Pickett and David Hobbs. Uh, at a couple of the long races um, and you know still didn't really win any races I think we finished second at uh, a 12 hour or a 24 hour at mid-Ohio that year 1987 but uh, it was uh, you know that's kind of how that whole thing started now rewind one year having just done the Supra in 85 and the Nissan in 86 um, I basically cold called Honda because we knew there was this ice racing thing and we had done some one-off events in like 83, Wait. 84, 85. And that's how I started with Honda then, which is kind of another 
Okay. Story. So, uh, okay. You, you, you caught my attention on ice racing. What? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> well, um, they still do it today, but back in those days, it was kind of a cool deal. It was kind of a professional series with some pretty big names doing it. Right. And, uh, and these were cars on ice? These are cars on ice, but with special tires that you know are studded, but not like a street stud, but right. a special Lindorfer stud that was very grippy. But it, So it was like driving on a gravel road. Right. A very consistent mew, but just not you know, like asphalt. Not and it's not like rain, because when you're racing in the rain, you're not deliberately pitching the car yeah, to, right. to get they it to go. It Whereas in rallying on a gravel road, you're, you know, doing the Scandinavian flick and you're, you know, yeah. tricking the car around the corner, you know, steering with the back. So that was, you know, something that we grew up doing in Wisconsin. And to do it wheel to wheel then was a pretty cool deal. And uh, it turned out pretty well. Um, and we ended up winning that championship uh, in our first season. And that's how Honda then invited me to come to Sebring for the first Firehawk race to test. Nice. And it kind of went from there, but there was never any formality to it from there. It was okay. just kind of like, okay, if you don't screw up, maybe you can come to the next one. Right. <laughs> it's kind of like how we do it with Ryan yeah. today. Yeah, yeah, no, like exactly. Sounds exactly the same. And he's not fired yet, which is a shocking thing. <laughs> I, got, I got pictures. <laughs> <laughs> so, so who was at that time, because, I mean, at that point, you were in sort of, for lack of a better course, sort of some of the lower division classes you were raising. Who was like the big aspirational guy that everybody wanted to be like at that time? Um, I would say that the Archer brothers oh, yeah. were okay. people that I looked up to because they were kind of in line ahead of me. Okay. And, you know, throughout my career, they were kind of either, you know, they were a contemporary, but yet they were kind of more established. They had their... Renault International Sedan um, on display, and I went up and talked to him, and I just remember thinking, you know, oh, I can just go up and talk to this right. guy? Right. He was just very gracious and talked to me and was maybe a little bit blunt and to the point, but he, he would talk, he talked what to it, me. What does that mean in terms of like, kid, you're never going to make it <laughs> or get the <laughs> f out of my trailer? Like what, what does that mean? Well, Stop bothering me. Yeah. Beat it, Cunningham. Years <laughs> later at an ice race party the night before the event, <laughs> he was a little bit, uh, he, I don't know if he was drinking iced tea or what he was drinking, but uh, he was in a discussion with some other ice racing fellow about Oh, but Tom, but Bobby, I can't do that. I can't put a limited slip in my car because that's not legal. And <laughs> Bobby looked at this guy and said, "Look, <laughs> there's cheaters and there's losers. Which do you want to be?" <laughs> <laughs> Give me another iced tea. And that's the philosophy we have here at Real Time. And that's built the Real Time Legend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so how badly do you guys cheat today, then? <laughs> Well, you know, historically <laughs> we've tried to stay on the right side of things because when you're representing live, a, a, a company, okay. you know, it would be unfortunate to get caught with your hand in the cookie jar for one thing, but uh, it's a little more satisfying when you do it on the right side of the rules. But, you know, 
like the old adage, you know, you're always pushing the envelope and, and interpreting the rules, but, you know, I think we've tried to always run a pretty straight-up yeah, yeah, deal. straight-up forward kind of thing. I get that. So what point does the name Boris said show up in your timeline? That would have been 1988. Right. I think it was... I think he had just gotten out of prison. <laughs> <laughs> the second time, but um, it was a Corvette challenge, and he showed up with a long head of hair and his Corvette on his open trailer behind a cube van and right. just tried to do the deal. And people just looked at him and like, who is this clown? Right. Actually, like they still say that today. <laughs> it's like six foot 13, bushy haired, random ass guy walking right. out the door. Right. Okay. And it's, you know, I knew a lot of the other guys that were in Corvette Challenge, like Stu Hayner and Andy Pilgrim right. and the Archer Brothers and Mark Wolikachuk and Lou Gelati. Pilgrim, and also a dick. <laughs> Everybody says that about Andy yeah. Pilgrim. Yeah. Exactly. No nah, I hear that fans, if you ever see Andy Pilgrim, do not approach him. Nobody likes that guy. <laughs> <laughs> if you never approach him. He's, don't look him in the eye. <laughs> um, so anyway, we I, I just talked to him one day, not at the first race, but maybe like the second or third race, and turns out uh, we're the exact same age. Actually, you know, I, I can imagine what you're thinking that, you know, he's, he seems much older than me. <laughs> but we are. I think he's been in the sun a lot. Sure. But. Uh, you present better. He and I just kind of hit it off and right. became friends. And uh, I could tell you a lot of. I was about to say, so where did this friendship end? Stories. <laughs> when did it so all go wrong? When did it all go wrong? Because uh, from what I, I understand. I think the day before yesterday. Okay. <laughs> When he sent you a dick pic. <laughs> <laughs> Want to see the real set head? <laughs> Good one. <laughs> it's uh, early. How old do you think Sean is? <laughs> <laughs> there, he's got an advantage. Right. But I'll, I'll let him finish before I tell him. I would say is. 58. <laughs> ah, same age as Eddie Gossage. <laughs> See, today, I've shaved. You actually look okay. Yeah, I shaved. I, I mean, have shorter hair. I'm really um, hungover, so yeah, 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 it yeah, might yeah. be the booze talking. Yeah, but no, no, I shaved. I've got shorter hair. I'm not looking. And I and I, uh, I didn't really sleep because I had to leave at 2 a.m. to get here in time. But uh, but it wasn't a 19-hour straight drive to Texas. Eddie Gossage thought I was in my late 40s. Nice. Deadpan. Deadpan. Not <laughs> like, joking. No, like, right, right, guys. And then we told him, no, he's 37. He didn't even, like, break up. He's like, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Right. Lies. Yeah. <laughs> I would have guessed mid-30s. Okay. There you go. He's being generous. I yep. can say that now that you've told me. <laughs> <laughs> One of my first experiences when I get hired at real time is you call me up and you're like, hey, can you go look at a car for me in Atlanta, streetcar? And I was like, yeah, no problem. And it's a 1986. 91. Yep. Civic. Yet, what's the real-time four-wheel drive wagon? Uh, it doesn't have like a other thing. It's a Civic, just a Civic rear-wheel drive or all-wheel drive. So I'd never seen one of these before, but it, it actually looks like you would expect like a little like almost factory-built rally car that's been toned down a little bit. So I go to meet 
some guy, and like on the drive over there, it starts to dawn on me. I'm like, I don't know PD that well. I'm still the new guy. And now you're vouching and for now a car. I'm vouching for a f***ing <laughs> car. <laughs> Which, I'm like, what if my standards are like, eh? <laughs> Believe me, that happens. <laughs> right. And I literally was like sweating over it when I get right. there. Yeah, yeah. And then he's also like, yeah, don't don't tell the guy how much we have to spend. He's like, give me all these rules. And I'm like, uh, uh, I'm going to f***. I'm going to f***. I'm and I'm already fired. Right, right. And uh, he's like, obviously, I haven't told the guy that, you know, we're in racing or, like, we're Honda factory-backed or anything, so don't bring it up. I'm like, yeah, no problem. So I get there, and I get out of the car, and he's like, Ryan Eversley. Uh, and I'm no. like, uh. And he's like, yeah. Yeah, I looked you up. I'm like, okay. And he's like, I know who Petey is. I know the whole thing. I'm like, <laughs> Jig is up. well. And did you just uh, run? <laughs> no, I gave it to him even worse. Okay. I'm like, we don't have any money. <laughs> <laughs> we did end up buying that car. Yeah. After Ryan's recommendation. And we FaceTimed, by the way. <coughs> I immediately was like, yeah. we FaceTimed, and I'm like walking around the car. And so now you know how to FaceTime over 60? Petey's really savvy with the technology right. stuff. Yeah, yeah. He's got Because you're two what, 76, 77? <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. You really it's hold a grudge. It's been at least 10 minutes. <laughs> you got to let this go, man. <laughs> yeah. Get over it. <laughs> it was a joke. <laughs> you don't have to embarrass me dick. in front of our live audience. <laughs> right. You just turned in. And here on Mad Dog in the Morning, <laughs> live from the Pepper Mill. <laughs> There's not one person without a goatee under 35. To, to finish the point on, on the cars, in case we don't get back That's in that very vein, <laughs> not everybody, and I've had a lot of people besides Ryan in our network of friends from different car communities go and look at cars. And the vast majority of them have done a very good job, <laughs> and it's really been cool, and they've been very supportive, and Except. we try to <laughs> do something. Except. But there are, I don't think I'm going to name names, are. <laughs> but you would think that somebody that has been in the industry of, of automobile racing since before I was would With the last probably name. have a pretty good sense yeah. of what is good and what isn't good. Mm -hmm. And... I guess that's just not the case you all hear the that? time. Bobby Archer is not listening, <laughs> so <laughs> it's fine. So, wh so where do you, so when it comes because like I mean you're again you're you're kind of Mr. Honda, uh, so I assume you have very specific tastes. But like when it comes to pulling out old cars or looking at stuff that you want to buy or, or whatever it is you're working on, where would you say you fit on the sort of spectrometer of of being finicky to just sort of taking it as is? Well, I don't think anybody that is buying a used car wants to you know look at certain flaws and just say oh it's fine you want sure. uh, you want a perfect car but yeah. no car is perfect sure um, and some of the cars that I've purchased are placeholders because we need something to fill that particular sort of slot but um, now is this all for the museum sure okay we haven't really talked about the museum no but we just got here yeah, that's true. So, so there's a museum. <laughs> In fact, I swear I'm looking at it. I'm looking at a T-shirt right now. You're wearing called the Real Time Collection Hall. We're all over the place. Just accept <laughs> this. So you're with the Real Time Collection Hall, and this is basically a uh, Ryan sold me stories poorly. Um, I was going to say about the BMWs. About the BMWs. Right. But it's basically a giant collection hall with <laughs> any number of generations of Honda within it. Right. It's we've touted it as the finest privately held collection of pre-early 2000 Hondas and Acuras. 
I, I don't know. No, no one stepped up and said, uh, excuse me, I've got something here I've that you need to look you. at. Sure. But it's probably also the largest. Okay. And this is all in Wisconsin. It's, it's all in Wisconsin. And it's, you know, we don't have every old Honda. And every old Honda that we do have is not unbelievably <laughs> mint. But we do have quite a few cars that are right. really nice examples, as Ryan may or may not. I just told him about the BMWs. Yeah. yeah. So the common question I get about the real-time collection hall is, is it open to the public, which it isn't. But I'm pretty sure if somebody reached out to you and wanted to come see the collection, you would find the time to show them. Is that the general consensus? Right. We couldn't charge enough people enough money to pay for the person we might hire to open the door. Be there all day. Yeah. yeah. I mean, these are not necessarily a mainstream collection of Ferraris or right. Shelby Cobras or something else with, you know, more of a panache. Do people show up and try to out-stump you on something like that, pretending as though they know more than you do on some <coughs> stuff? Not really. You know, I'm sure that there's people that would be able to stump me, but it's not like they are and lined like, up. Ah, gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> right. There's no Sean Heckman's that with my <laughs> vast knowledge of 86 Hondas. Right. I worked at the Saab Aero Academy for about seven years at Road Atlanta, and Saab owners, as a as a group, oh believe me, are I are strange up. people. They are, and it's so it's like a rule it, to get in. Right. 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 <laughs> The consistency amongst the oddness over the years was amazing. So I remember you were telling me about owning or racing sods at one point, and I was like, oh, boy. No, I mean, there's different. You can tell an Alpha owner right. from a Saab owner, from a Porsche owner. Right. And they all have their idiosyncrasies. But there's definitely a special breed of people yeah. that are into Saabs. Right. And, <laughs> and they are into them. Like, if you buy a Saab, it's probably your eighth or ninth or tenth one. Like, yeah. they always buy more and more and more. Well, back in the day, see, my mom had Saabs in the 70s, so that's how I became exposed to them. And back in those days, you would flash your lights when you'd see a Saab coming the other way, and they would always flash back. Now, even, you know, 20 years ago, if you flash, you know, all you get back is, you know. The finger. The yeah. finger. <laughs> and it's like, you know, what's you know, no one, you know, so Nothing. They, they lost that whole, <laughs> right. you know. Yeah, now everybody just hates everybody. Uh, yeah, 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 that's part of the fun. Yeah. So actually, so how, how would you label the, uh, the the Honda Collectour, so to speak? Like Saabs are kind of a unique breed. Like um, forget forget the exotics, the, the, the Ferraris and the Porsches, but like Saabs are kind of a unique breed. Volvo guys typically have this like false sense of bravado. <laughs> you told me about this. No, I can't stand Volvo guys. Yeah, like, and yeah. That's the they're thing. boxy, like, but they're safe. Well, no, no, <laughs> and that's fine. Like I have nothing. I have no problems with the product of Volvo. We're gonna lose like, like seven listeners yeah, over this. On the, on the <laughs> chart, though, they are not far away from their Swedish brothers. Right. He. Yeah, but you don't like no, no. The oh, Volvo I, I base this purely tuner. on my experience with the Volvo tuning community, and it's not even like the new cars. No, like they're the always yeah, no, no, no. Cool. It's always like some 1992 box. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah, they've got like like I know guys who put louvers on. And you're like, what the fuck, man? <laughs> like, look at all that downforce you're generating with those louvers <laughs> on your boxy. P I own one is. Volvo now. <laughs> <laughs> Again, 
you know, I'm not going to, just so you know, I'm not going to do another one of these if you ask me. <laughs> <laughs> so let's get it all out now. You're kind of let's a do it now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but so my point is, where, where would you scale sort of the, uh, obviously, we're all very pro Honda at this table, but where would you scale sort of the Honda owner in terms of, like, character traits? I, I think they're certainly a special breed, but they're pretty good guys. It seems like a normal. Yeah, my, my take has always been much more normal guys, yeah, and they yeah. appreciate what the, they're the, very kind of loyal. the legacy of yeah. Honda. Yeah. Yeah. They're very loyal. They um, are very knowledgeable. They know the nomenclature. Oh, that's an EF. Oh, that's a, right. you know, K24. Right. And right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, I mean, I, I probably know the BMW but they never secret do this. codes better than I right. know the Honda ones. Because in my world, I don't refer to them that way, but I've kind of picked up on it yeah, over the years, yeah, too. Yeah. But it's still like like an Integra Type R is a DC2. Oh, okay, yeah. I don't know that. You know, right, and yeah. it, but that's part of the VIN, and you know, just sure. the cool kids—they all know that. Right, and it's, right. You know, I'm just now, you know, catching but, up. But what's cool, like about a Honda guy, is you've never been told that with somebody with a pops collar. <laughs> no, <laughs> like nobody's ever come in with like well, Oakleys and a pop collar. No, no, that that can't be true because if you look at the tuning history of Honda, like the, the mid '90s, yeah, if you had a Civic, it had to have a Coke can exhaust on it or, or a, a coffee a coffee can, can yeah, exhaust. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, so there's had to have been. Like at that peak time of tuning, for for Honda products, Type R was out. Um, any Civic Si, you had to be getting kids at every race coming up. Especially because at the time, real time was really hitting their stride with the Type R program. You had the NSX program and World Challenge. <laughs> I I drove a Subaru twice in in once in World Challenge, once yep. in IMSA, and a kid came up to me at Barber. And he's like, oh, man, how much horsepower are you guys making? And I was like, oh, I think like 480. And he just looked at me so devastated because he's like, my streetcar's got 700. <laughs> I was like, I didn't do this. <laughs> yeah. That's had to happen to you with kids coming up with, like, turbo kits and crazy Yeah, I mean, builds. obviously you have the relatable car in the past, right, so to speak. Right, right. And it's probably the most tuned car in North America for a long time at that point. Yeah, so any any stories that come to mind of kids coming up just, like, devastated that you don't have more mods? Well... Eric Foss. Okay, perfect. <laughs> yeah, we're at yeah St. Petersburg, and the TSX with the four-cylinder. Right. And I'm racing against him in a Mustang, and he asked me how much horsepower we had. Right. And I think I told him that we had 275. <laughs> and he just started laughing. <laughs> you don't have 275 <laughs> horsepower, you liar. And I said, yeah, at, at the crank. And then he busted a gut. Yeah. You know, he thought I meant 275 at the wheels. Right. And right. I'm like, hey, buddy, sorry. That's all we have. And he just walked away from me going, that liar. You know, he's got so much more horsepower. But we didn't. Right. You know, those cars were just doing a lap time a little differently than a Mustang. The, our first few interactions, I didn't know if you were, like, messing with me or if you were serious. You know, I'm like, is that guy deadpanning me right now or is he being funny? Because you'll, you'll dry humor people that, you don't, that don't know you very well, and I think it's, like, your own internal fun game. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're just like, I'm going to see how long I can keep going. Because, like, sometimes you'll make comments to me when we're driving to the track or something, and I'm like, I'm just going to ignore that because I don't know if he's <laughs> with me or not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm usually with people <laughs> all the time rarely would i be making a comment that isn't attached uh, to some irony or right. something silly one of my favorite pd isms is the word mope which i never heard before mope the adjective like this no. this mope right yeah yeah, right, yeah, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. i've heard like That's, that would be a noun 
<laughs> oh, right. Welcome to Petey County. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. What's funny okay. is, is, I, is I thought about, like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> now. Yeah, so, so Petey is, like, very, he's very focused on having the proper grammar in all situations. If Fair you, enough. If you have you met Landon Castle? <laughs> Pardon me? <laughs> have you met Landon Castle? <laughs> no. Nope. You'll like him. Yeah, yeah. He was, we just had him on a couple. He has a similar attitude. Yeah. Uh, you'll never find a typo or a misspelling or the wrong word usage in a real-time press well, release. I was about to say, there went my PR gig <laughs> with real-time. <laughs> He'll actually I, I don't know about that, but I, I certainly try yes, to not yeah. sure. mess that stuff up. And now he has me doing it. Like, I'll see a real-time, like yesterday, we had an Instagram post go up, and it posted twice in the text. So it was the same. Uh, right, I was right. like, <gasps> <gasps> <laughs> 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 like Petey, quick, take it down. <laughs> and I totally appreciated that. <laughs> but I had already fixed it. Right. Because yeah. after I posted it, I realized, well, what the hell happened here? <laughs> how, how did this happen? But it did. Right. And then even later, the Instagram thing wasn't reloading right. properly. So, but I think it was fixed. I would have seen that like eight, two years ago. I've been like, oh, that's weird. Right. But I was like, oh, he's not going to like that. We got to fix, fix that. Right now. We right got to fix that. Yeah. From some of the stories you've told me along along the lines. Uh, of our last couple years together, what's the best rental car Boris said story you have? Well, I think the best rental car Boris said story would have to be when he rented a Mustang to use as his parts car for his um, maybe first escort endurance race. Okay. Yes, at, thank at you. Road Atlanta. And he hadn't run any races so to fill out the form to get his license in the first place he just made shit up <laughs> on what races he had done for starters okay. and you know they gave him a license you know there you go kid right. and uh so he <laughs> somehow had a mustang race car but it was ill prepared yeah and he showed up with no crew so he goes out and no co-driver just i don't know if he used a bogus name okay. for a co-driver but basically he would go and start the race and run out of gas, come in, <laughs> get out of the car, refuel the car, change the tires to the Mustang rental car tires, yeah. or the, at least the wheels, R if, right. if, you know, and get back in. Well, somehow, by himself, by no, himself, no, no co-driver, yeah. no crew, and he just was like, hey, I want to go racing, and this is how I'm going to go racing. Yeah. So eventually... Terry Earwood's daddy <laughs> caught wind of this up, you know, Chief Stewart up in the tower. Right. And it's like he gets Boris up there, and, of course, Boris just gives him this very sad story. <laughs> right, right. you got to let me go back <laughs> out. And they're like, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that just shows you his perseverance right. that he, he was going to do it. He, was gonna, he decided he was going to go racing, and he went racing. Right. So... <laughs> Uh, that's a pretty good deal. Uh, we were teammates for No Fear in 1992 in right. the Firehawk with a Dodge Stealth. Okay. And it was a front drive V6 Dodge Stealth. It wasn't the four-wheel drive like the Mitsubishi VR4 thing. VR4 thing. Yeah, yeah. So we were tied for points, of course, and we never could get the pole because these talons were just so much faster right, than us. Right. But it was raining at Watkins Glen when I was doing the rally, as a matter of fact, it was that weekend. And so somehow Boris and I were both out qualifying because it was raining and we wanted to have both cars up front or right. whatever. And it, was, it may have been like a drying condition slightly, but it was just still very wet. Sure. And we were like exchanging fast laps. And 
I'm like not getting the information on the radio and kind of in a Sebastian Vettel <laughs> kind of way, like this recent uh, Formula One race where he was getting frustrated. Right, you know, you're right. emotional. Words. And, yeah. and I, I made some very PD-like remark about, <laughs> you know, I asked a particular question and they gave me a different, an answer to a different asked. question. Right. And, and I said over the radio, I don't recall that being the question. <laughs> and as it turned out, that jerk, Boris, beat my time right. to get the pole. And because he got one more point than me, you know, of course, he was going to finish higher in the points than me. Yeah. But when it came down to the end of the year, he won the championship and I finished fourth. Huh. Because he won the championship over Peter Farrell and his teammate in a Turbo RX-7 okay. on a point on a tiebreaker tie and then I was one point behind uh, them wow. so I carry this dumbass <laughs> to the championship <laughs> clearly you know he couldn't find the grid without me pointing him in the right direction and then I carry him to the thing and then he you gets get all the glory <laughs> kisses the girl and and I'm just like I never won a Firehawk championship because I always was because doing said's a douche right 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 well, so in fairness, where did he go with his career? Yeah, I mean, yeah. Boris who? Never heard of him. Exactly. <laughs> so you mentioned you were doing a rally at the time. Yeah. You and I did one earlier this year, which, was that this year? That was, that was this year. Yeah, that was, was this year. Yeah, yeah it, it all blurs year. together. The podcast has a way of ruining your life. You were telling me when we were doing the recon, you were so excited that we actually got to do it because you used to do blind rallies. Right. Where it was just like, all right, there's the road, go. Basically, you have two white canes on the bumper with red stripes. No, <laughs> not that kind of blind <laughs> rally. Like, I know he's f***ing with me. <laughs> See? <laughs> See? <laughs> no, See? Like, but I'm going to let him finish in case I'm wrong. In North America, in my era of rallying back in 92, 93, they were what is called a secret rally, yeah. which means that you don't get to pre-run the course. You get the you get the route book, yeah. and you you have a co-driver, but frankly... You know, you're on your own. What you see out the windshield right. is what you're driving, and the co-driver is going to tell you if there's a hairpin or a dangerous But it's based on the gully. notebook. He's not seen it. So in North American rallying, what pays dividends is experience driving rally roads and reading the road, reading the trees seeing the tree like lines yeah, yeah. and knowing and just having the flavor of the roads. So a secret rally and as a young man trying to go rallying, it's who doesn't want to die. Yeah, right? yeah. You you can't just flat foot it over a brow because the road might take a right. turn and then you go sailing off into <laughs> the you trees and you know <laughs> You don't have two so spare cars fun. behind you. I mean this is you're racing what you got. So right. Yeah, so right. so certainly some of that same experience pays dividends in today's rallying, but the fact that we got to at least see the road one yeah, time. Yeah, you were super pumped about it. And I was like, okay, I don't get it, but all right, you know. Yeah. yeah. So we go to this rally, which Honda asked us to, or invited us to come do, in a B-spec Honda Fit, which if you watch those cars on track, not exciting to watch. Fun to drive. Sure. They put on a good race, but if one of them's by themselves, sure. you're not sure if it's under caution or not. That's how slow they are. Fast forward to driving one in the woods, it's terrifying. Well, it's terrifying if you're in the passenger seat and Petey's driving because <laughs> <laughs> you're like, okay, I know this isn't that fast comparatively, but it's still pretty The straightaways are a lot longer, but so you try to make it up in the corners right. as if you can. But right. but we did. We, we were doing pretty well considering <laughs> our the performance <laughs> potential of our car yeah. compared to the performance potential of you know these four-wheel drive turbocharged yeah. cars. 
the funny, funny story that I take away from uh, there's two, but one of them is you get to these because uh, Sean, you never done a rally, I, I don't think, right? No. Yeah. So you have to check in on time, right, for the next stage to begin. And if you get there early, you basically wait in the queue. Right. 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 And if it's a backed up queue, if there's a crash and they have to stop the course to like go rescue a car or whatever, right, you have like 20 minutes to kill. So you get out and you pee, you're like because right. you're in the car all day long. Basically. But basically, you have to be at the start line. Right. If you miss your start time, you, right, you get yeah. a penalty. Yeah. And if you're early, you get a penalty. So right. you have to go in at your minute. And so, just so you don't speed between stages. Right. I think right. That's and the it's idea. really if you if you're getting penalties, there's something really weird going on, or you just made a mistake. The rallies are won and lost by your stage times. Right. More often than not. Yeah. But so so the co-driver's role at that point is only to not screw that part up. Yeah. Right. Because keep you your eye on the watch. Right. 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 I exactly. I'm sorry, but you were saying. So we get to one of these deals where somebody fires it off in the woods, and they have to stop stop the stage, and we're delayed for like let's say 30 minutes. So everybody gets out, or both in this little group, and there's this guy that has an old school RX-7, like a 1980s, you know, normally aspirated. First gen RX-7. First gen, yep. And he's like, we're wearing Hans devices. And he's like, why, uh, I don't know how you guys wear those things. And we're like, well, you know, you have a frontal impact. Yeah, one, well, I know exactly you wear them. Yeah, yeah you know, <laughs> and I'm like, I shouldn't have to explain, explain this. this, but sure. <laughs> and so I'm kind of like, well, you know, like one, one, big, one hit, big hit, it pays yeah. for itself. And he's like, yeah, well, in 25 years, I've never had a single, this front bumper's never been touched. You only hit things with the back. Oh, that's right. You, you never know. hit anything with the front end of these cars. <laughs> yada, yada, yada. He's behind us. Yep. Right? Naturally. So we go through the stage. We get through. Okay. And they st they start you like every minute. Usually every yeah. minute. And I think they were starting quicker because we were delayed. Okay, sure. Maybe so there was two minutes and they went to a one right, minute. Right. Something like that. So we get to the end and the guy's like, uh, when you get your time card, the guy's like, did you pass anybody off? Like, was there anybody off the road? And we're like, no. You're like, oh, okay. Have a good one. And we keep going because they're not sure if it was in front or behind us where the incident happens. Because it's not like corner workers. Right. You know what I mean? Right. You have the right. beginning and the end. Reporting. And so we're like, no. And he's like, all right, see ya. So we go on to the next stage. So you basically do like four or five stages, and then you drive 40 miles or whatever back to, to Park for May okay. for like for the break. Service. Service. Yeah, you, yeah. Get, you get a period of time to do that. We get there, and here's this RX-7. The roof's caved in. The front bumper is almost firewall deep. The back bumper is destroyed. He basically went straight, straight in, hit a tree, rolled it, like oh. destroyed the thing, and we were losing our shit. Yeah. It's like, obviously he was okay, and we were we made sure of that. But it's like, in 25 years, I've never hit the front end on anything. And the <laughs> next stage, yeah. he destroys the <laughs> car. And it's like, yeah, hey, buddy. In all my years of racing, when I declare something's not going to happen, <laughs> yeah. it never does. You right. know, the airport's never lost my luggage. <laughs> right, not once. <laughs> uh, that was crazy. And then we ended up crashing out. Uh, we had the right rear hub lockup, which or that's what we thought at the time. So basically, gravel blast will right. stretch the handbrake cables. Yep. And our car didn't have a uh, like a shield. So over that? Sort of prevent all the gravel. Right. Through, so sure. basically we're going through like a pretty fast. Downhill. Uh, we go through a pretty fast right-hander that then leads into a, a like an R or L3 downhill into a creek crossing. And as we come around the, the left-hander, like the thing just rotates more than it I normally would. I thought Ryan pulled a handbrake. <laughs> and so he's like full right. full throttle, which doesn't really do a whole lot in a B-spec car. But right, right, you know, right. the heart, the heart was in the right place. And while the right rear is completely locked. Yeah. And yeah. so we're going like down this ditch sideways that then yeah. leads into a creek. So we nose it straight in, like huge. Like I thought we Way were going to go over. Way too much speed. Yeah, it's like we're just yep. we're, we're not in. we're not going to make it. Yeah, we jump and then we heard the music. <laughs> 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 we 
before that, well, this thing goes in so hard, nose in. I thought we were going to land on the roof, like yes. it was going to like you know nose now, how in. How thick is this creek? It's, like, are it's you, are you barely, it's barely, you know, six inches deep. It's just but this it's little okay. water yeah. crossing. It's maybe like. But you're not having that moment like, fuck, i got to get out quick because I'm No, no, drown. no. It's not like that. Okay. I was just more concerned that we were going to roll. Yeah, yeah, Because yeah, I'm general. like, oh, this is big. Yeah. So we go in straight, and the thing, like, skips out, and we land in the gravel trap. And it's a big, is a big impact. Right. Before we've landed, Petey's already, like, grabbing first gear, like, trying to go. <laughs> yeah. And I'm literally like, what are you doing? I'm like, we're done, <laughs> man. He's like, no, you got to keep going. So we're trying to get out. We don't really move. I get out. The right front is, like, shoved. The wheel is shoved into the chassis. Ooh. So I can't get my door open without, like, right, you know, like, right, all right. this metal broken. We broke a control. No, we broke a drive shaft on the right side. Right. It just. Yeah. Just snapped a thing. And uh, so we're like, we're stuck here. So we get out, and that's when the music starts up, and we hang out with some of uh, Missouri's. And just to, just to replay <laughs> the music, it, it sounded like. Go ahead, do it, do it. Do, 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 do. <laughs> Is that before your time? No, 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 wait, no we, we recognize we, we, that. Uh, <laughs> just in case in the edit it doesn't completely come through. Yeah. <laughs> the banjos kick in. Right, it's red. It's really, right. really red. And Would they've you, got We have no beer, service. And they've got. Beer. Yeah. Yep. Got beer. They got barbecue going. Nice. And so they're like, well, you boys are here for a while. Have a drink. Yeah. And we're like, are we here for a while? <laughs> <laughs> Can we leave? <laughs> we have no cell reception. You're in the middle of nowhere in Missouri. Yeah, sure, woods. sure. And now the, like, the, the realization kicks in, like, our crew, with Paul and Greg, um, they're, they're like 45 miles away. Well, and uh, you don't have corner workers. Yeah, and yeah. it's not like we can be like, oh, we're in that one spot in the woods on Call stage the 12. And it happened to be like a 12-mile stage, which is pretty right. long for, right. for these for these right. rallies. Right, right. So uh, we basically get tow straps. So they literally take one Chevy truck on one end and then a Ford truck on the other end with tow straps, and we pull the control arm out of the, the, the right front chassis. And it's literally like redneck engineering at its finest. Like there's creaking and popping and we're just waiting to see like we're going to be on YouTube tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, you know exactly. what I mean? When With the, the chain breaking and, and hitting <laughs> us in the head. <laughs> but we had our Hans device. Hans, right, but we're so. okay. <laughs> they get us out of the out of that part and then they're like, okay, we, we tell this is the cool thing about rally. Like it's so like just got to do what you got to do to get sorted out. So we this Lancer Evo comes down the hill, goes into the creek too, too hot cakes the whole front end in water like it goes into the intake and the thing immediately sounds like it throws something you know in the, in the motor and and they like pull over and stop and so we're like oh well they're here for a while and we're like do you guys have a cell phone that's working or like do you have radio with anyone they're like no so they wait for the engine to dry out they get it fired up again and, we're, and we basically have to like send a note with them like you got to find this guy in park for me from our team tell him where we are tell him like to come find us we'll wait at the stage exit wow if we get there and so they just go away, and we're like, okay. And you, you don't know if, like, 10 seconds later they're like me. Yeah, they're just like, they're like who? They, uh, what I was his name? What doing? Right, right, exactly. Yep. So they just drive away. We never see him again. Thanks, and story. so so we get us sort of fixed. We realize that the right rear hub is locked, so we disconnect the handbrake. Yeah, we didn't know what happened until yeah. then Right. that how we ended up off the road. We thought, you know, we just were too hot. Yeah, right. And so I jack up the, the car, and the wheel, like, won't turn at all. Right. So, so I just disconnect the handbrake, and uh, and it's like free wheel. I'm like, oh, ah. okay. We weren't using the handbrake. Right. Like we never used the it once. Right. Right. So but we like, knew oh. there was something going on with it, so it all pieced together yeah. right then. Yeah, because yeah, early yeah. in the day, we would smell brakes, you know, when we and barely even used it. And we were like, that's weird. Sure. Yeah. Right. Um, the power of the fit <laughs> engine overcome overcame any of the drag. Yeah, it was we good. We didn't to, notice it. It was good to go. So we... 
uh, they they get us out, and they're like, "All right, you got like 30 minutes to get off the stage, and then it's going to start again." So, uh, so we go upstream. We we go the opposite direction because it's a shorter distance That's out, what you gotta do. and uh, we d we can't even make it up the first hill. So they have to tow us to the top of the hill. But then once we got to the top of the hill, we could actually could get back to the. To we the could go at like 25 miles an hour, right? But we didn't On dare go any faster because the whole thing was gonna you know fall oh, apart. Yeah. The the right front isn't fixed. It's just been pulled back out. Right. You know right, what I mean. Right. So at any point, like we're <laughs> we're going down the highway once we get off the stage, and we're just like both sitting in this thing, just waiting just for waiting. it to just like hang a hard right into the woods. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we get out, and we're sitting at the end of the stage, just like two dudes in the woods. Like all we have is like the FM radio and our phone, which like we don't have any right any service. So we're just listening to iTunes. <laughs> And then uh, periodically we have a two-way radio, which is like, you know, and who's going to hear it? So we're just sitting there every five minutes like, radio check, nothing. Nothing. <laughs> we're there for like an hour, and finally it's like, radio check, like, where are you guys? We're like, oh, it worked. <laughs> we're going to make it. There was no other plan. We're going to make <laughs> it. You know? Right. So they finally find us, and then they follow us into town, which is like a 40-mile drive back to Park Forme, and this thing is shaking like crazy right. as we're going down the highway. For a like solid, like, hour and a half. For an hour. You know yeah. what I mean? This is, like, cool. But we made it. But we made it. Yeah. And then we drove to – we had, like, a two-hour drive back to St. Louis on top of that. Right. You know what I mean? So that's why it was like, hey, we actually have to get out of here or we're not going to get our flight on tomorrow. Flat Bill, mm. did you not bring him? Uh, he did not make he's, – he's, he's in the car. Yeah. But our car's, like – it's in a parking lot three blocks at away. the uh, Encore. Right. Can uh, I tell a flat Bob story? Yes. Yeah. Are we talking Bob Riley? No. Okay. Bob Hope. Okay. N never heard of him. Well, let me just tell you. <laughs> Sean can tell you. He remembers. Yeah, he's old. I'm yeah. old. <laughs> I'm 48. <laughs> so I'm at my first summer race for Honda okay. at Sebring at beautiful Lake Wales Hotel. Ooh, fancy. And... Uh, I went out to eat dinner with the crew, and we get back from dinner, and we were in a good mood, let's put it that way. Right. And here's Bob <laughs> Hope in the lobby, flat Bob Hope, selling insurance, some kind of, some kind of insurance. So there's like a cardboard was, Yeah, so Bob there's a cardboard Bob like Hope. pamphlets. So I got the great idea that we need to steal Take him with Bob you. Absolutely. Hope. So I did. I take him we go into the elevator and we're laughing we have a big time and it's like okay now what are we going to do so by the time the next morning came around i figured out that oh i'll just put him in my garment bag and take him out so i take my garment bag out the next morning without attracting any suspicion and we take him to the track and we seat him in the crx <laughs> passenger seat <laughs> okay and we go out on track and <laughs> And wow, course, did we get in say, trouble. So if you're a corner worker, and you're not looking right. It looks like right, Bob Hope yeah, is Bob, Bob Hope without a suit, without a helmet. Right. Right. Just Bob Hope just in just a basket. Bob race car. Oh, did they get upset. They did not find it amusing at all. <laughs> I'm sure they have a whole new regime at IMSA now that would have understood the joke a little bit more. than. One thing I'll say about you is if you look at the history of real time, you've had employees there for a really long time. Why? Like, why Why do people want to stay at real time? And, and to share some perspective outside of real time, um, turnover on a race team is usually a really good sign about the environment. So in other words, if you've had guys that have been there forever, chances are it's a good working environment. If there are new guys every year, chances are it's not so good. Right. But yeah. uh, why, do, why is it so great to work at real time? Well, I think we have a good culture. Yeah. I think it's we 
know how to have fun as much as it can be a pain in the ass and and a ton of work. Um, but yeah, I mean, there was a time that we could say that you know we we never even had anybody leave that we just kind of kept getting bigger, right. but right. no one left. But yeah, we're very fortunate to have the group that we have, and I think right now we have the best group that we've ever had. Um, I think everybody um, has the passion. You know, they get paid well, I think, but you know, you, you have to have the passion. I remember there was this one kid who worked at the Toyota dealership, like doing oil changes all day or whatever, and he got the opportunity to come to a test with us down in Texas and kind of see if he wanted to join the team. And we had a good test, everything was good, and it seemed like it, it might be a good fit that this kid would, would join the team. And we get back and he's like, uh, no, I think, I think I'm just gonna keep doing what I'm doing. Going to the Toyota dealership, punching the time clock, going and, and changing oil on old Camrys, and then punching out and then starting his life again. And, and that's just not what it's like on probably any race team, but certainly at real time, they're there because they want to be there. And yeah, they are compensated and they're compensated well and, and, and all of that, I think. But uh, yeah, the, you know, they're there to do a job and to work together and, and try to win. But to your exact point, no one's going to work in racing who's just a nine-to-five guy <clears throat> because you can't because you can't base it on the hours you're working as much as the tasks you have to complete in order to be ready for a race or whatever it is. What's um, and so keeping? I mean, at the end of the day, pay isn't pay matters to, to anybody working in the sport. But at the end of the day, no one's there because they're getting paid well because you can always get paid better somewhere else uh, outside of the sport. Is there a kind of an ethos that you instill in the guy or a, or a freedom that you give them that maybe other teams don't have? You know, it's possible, but I don't think that we have those written down. There's not anything formal about it. I think it's just the culture, and we don't try to define it too much. We don't get too philosophical um, about that, but uh, I think, you know, the, the guys most of the time are, you know, pretty glad they work for real time. Yeah. What uh, teams you've worked with? Like, yeah. Um, do they do a Christmas party? Yeah. A couple of them do. And what's the Christmas party like? Uh, the Christmas party, I can only speak for one team. Okay. It's actually one of Pete's, uh, Pete's uh, Pete? favorite race teams. Oops. Pete. I don't know One of Pete's Pete. favorite race teams out in Santa Ana, California. Okay. Uh, they do a Christmas party every year. Right. I've never been invited. Oh, uh, okay. Because I'm just the PR guy that's contracted. So sure. I'm not a, and I actually am okay with that because I'm not a full-time staff member. Uh, but they do a dinner. <laughs> that's good that yeah. you don't hold a grudge. So real time has a Christmas party. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Last year, uh, I flew up for it, and, you know, I didn't think it would be, like, a big deal or whatever, but it was at a bowling alley. Oh, And it, it, it got serious. Like, the guys are, like, you're really into – Bowling. I had no idea. Once a year, but well, yeah. Once a year, they get really into it. Yeah, They're exactly. not like on a league or no, anything. No, 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 no. But it was like, you know, I, I think if you picture like the normal like race team Christmas party, everybody's in like a, you know, dorky sweater and you're like, hey, yeah, hey, oh, right. uh, it literally was like, all right, get on the lanes. Let's do this. Right. And it was like really fun. And I think that was like maybe the final like awareness to like what a good team it is because like people were coming from all over yeah. to be there. And I'll, I'll put a different spin on this because I. 
fucking hate Christmas parties. Okay. This is going to be released right around Christmas party time. <laughs> but no, I have a fucking... Happy holidays, everyone, from Sean no, Ekman. Here's, here's the fucking thing about Christmas parties. Here's every Christmas party almost. You, like you said, you show up in your fucking sweater, and you're bringing the girlfriend, the wife, the husband, whatever... And then it's like, oh, yeah, here's my girlfriend. Oh, yeah, this is my husband. Let's have a drink. Yeah. On to the next person. And right. And that's f***ing it. Yeah, no, and, literally. And it was only, like, yeah. get out there and throw well, some. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> but th- this is a party based on an activity. Yeah. And I'm yeah. a huge advocate. Well, if you're going to have a party, have a thing. And we have a trivia contest yeah, prior oh, yeah, to that. You. That's right. Okay. There's a trivia contest. Good. That okay. was really cool, too. And, like, everybody, you get paired up in random teams and right. stuff. And, and PD hosts it. And but it's, it's activity it's, center. Yeah. Which I'm a f***ing advocate yeah, for. Yeah, so. it's really fun, but it's cool to see the guys want to be there after hours. And we have it you know catered I mean? by a different restaurant, the Anvil in Cedarburg, Wisconsin, if you're ever driving by. Yeah. And they put on, you know, we're in a bowling alley and we're eating filet mignon yeah. and, yes. and, you know, some pretty top shelf food, yeah. not, you know. Well, I'd imagine a Wisconsin bowling alley is quite the scene. It, <laughs> well, you know, they take Milwaukee, Milwaukee yeah, yeah. used to have the Pro Bowling Association national headquarters. Oh. Makes sense. It has since moved to but. Racine. <laughs> 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 so, World Challenge, you uh, real time has been in it since 1990, if my Wikipedia research is correct. <laughs> no, it's Which not. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Next question. All right. <laughs> Done. <laughs> I'm out. I have been in World Challenge ah. since its inception in 1990. Okay. And by the way, it really started in 1985 as an endurance championship. And starting, so from 85 through 89, it was just endurance. And then in 1990, they decided to add some sprint races. So they changed the name right. from Escort Endurance Championship to Escort World Challenge. And I kind of like the name Escort Endurance Championship. Yep. But uh, all the same people were there. It wasn't like, oh, this is a new series. It was right, just the same right, right, people right. carrying over. Right, and I sure. like to tell that story because officially this championship is only, you know, 27 years old, right. where in fact it, it's another five it's years yeah. beyond yeah. that yeah. because it started in 1985. But I drove for uh, uh, the Special Projects Honda team in yeah. 1990, and then I, I, I raced like one... E30 M3 at Des Moines in 91 and won with it. And I also had the worst race of my career that year in a, in a, at Road America in an E30 M3. What defines worst race? <coughs> well, after winning uh, Des Moines with his overdog BMW in whatever they called the class, yeah. I think it might have been SP, um, I wanted, and I didn't really have a lot going on, so... I called up T.C. Klein, who I had driven for and Firehawk and different Honda stuff, and he had this E30 M3. So we worked out a deal that was something affordable for me and was based on performance, and we'd split the prize money or whatever it was. So we go to Road America, a track that I've been to before, <laughs> and uh, I just barely squeak out the pole, and at the start of the race, you know, a couple guys went by, and I was, like, not really worried because, you know, I knew that I had the car, and Ooh, I didn't right. I didn't want to make them look stupid. Right. But uh, a rock came and hit me in the front of the car, unbeknownst to me. Right. So on, like, lap two, I'm, like, smelling smoke, and the oil pressure is starting to fall. And uh, I'm like, oh, shit. I'm not, you know, 
this is, I'm screwed, this yeah. is it. So I realize what's going on, so I'm heading from turn three to turn five, and I'm like, okay, I'm gonna try to get back to the pits. So instead of slowing down and taking a left to go up the hill at turn five, I go sailing off the road, just barely missing the guys that are in front of me, but it's all you know controlled and I know what I'm doing. Yeah. And I autocross through the chicane of the, the tires, the offset yeah, tires, yeah, yeah, yeah. and I come up to the public road there, you know, in the paddock, and I, you know, there's people everywhere, and, yeah. I, and I turn right, and if you've ever seen a, a rally on TV, like from the Group B era, where everybody's Everyone's in the road and the car's coming and everybody gets out of the way. Well, yeah. that's what was going on. I'm <laughs> sailing up the hill and people are flying off the road to not get hit by this right. crazed maniac. You're pulling a Pompelli. <laughs> right. But right. Yeah. I, I knew what I was doing. Yeah. Okay. Completely in I'm control. Yeah. And then as I like I'm the pre-defense, so something's <laughs> up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. So I, I get up to the mock grid entry and there's a guy that's like not sure which way to go. Yeah. Turns out it's Greg Hobbs. Okay. He'll never, you know, he, he almost died that day. But, <laughs> you know, he's like, I'll go. No, we, uh, 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 uh. So finally, he, you know, he gets out of the way and I go sailing up that road and I come up. Uh, my pit, uh, Al Tom was yeah. my crew chief. Yeah. And he looks at the car and can we fix it? Can we fix it? Meanwhile, there's a yellow. So if we could have fixed it, I could have been back out at the tail end of the lead lap and maybe still had a chance to either place or still you right. know, do well with this overdog. And uh, no, it's done. Okay. So I get out of the car, I take my gloves off. Doug Robinson, who was part of the series yeah. at that point, yeah. came up and we talked. I told him, yeah, you know, this is what happened, blah, blah, blah. Take my helmet off and it's like, <sighs> well, you know, I guess we're done. And in fact, the first annual real-time chicken roast was about to take place. Oh, okay. Cool. So basically we go down and, uh, you know, start eating chicken and drinking beer. Right. And all of a sudden, up oh, call to the tower. So <laughs> Charlie Irwood's up there, and they are not amused. <laughs> <laughs> they are absolutely, you know, ready to call the police because of just how the temporary all this reckless driving yes. you're doing through yeah. the track. And sure. I'm like... What? <laughs> really? <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, you guys messed with me? <laughs> yeah. So they disqualified me from my last place finish. Oh, good. Okay. Good. No points. And they banned me for the next two races. Wow. Which didn't matter because I didn't have a ride for the next two races. Well, we sure. showed him. Yeah. Um, and it was just like, you know, the whole day could have been a fantastic right. day. But instead, that happened. Yeah. And... Uh, I think later, Sean Hendricks might have given Boris some moonshine, and Boris got all drunked up, which he <laughs> never did. And I might have taken his rental car keys and thrown them into the woods. <laughs> <laughs> well, so. I will say, if that's your worst race, that's not so bad. Yeah, that's all right. That's really not the yeah. That's not the, the worst I've worst race. In answer to your question, though, real time started in 1993, and you know, having never known you, and and. Uh, before Ryan's time, I mean, I've always associated real time with those those awesome you know NSXs from years ago, uh, and and the fact that you guys are still around. I mean, you are to me probably the most staple team of, of World Challenge Series. Do you, we certainly had m more entries than any other team by far because right. oftentimes we had five, six, seven cars. Right. Mo right. Most of the time, uh, probably an average of five entries. It's only been in the last few years we've only had two entries. I want to say you guys have set a few records in that process, right? Go ahead. I'll let, I don't know the stats, but Ryan, you do. 
<laughs> oh no. Okay. Uh, uh, Seven-time drivers champion. I am. You are. Eleven-time champions for no, the teams. No. Uh, uh, I won seven times. Pierre won five. Pierre Kleinibing. Yeah. Great dude. He's alright. And <laughs> Michael Galati won two championships. Right. So 14 drivers championships, and then we won four manufacturers championships for Honda in those early years, 93, 94, 95, 96. And then switching to Acura, we've won 10 manufacturers championships for Acura since then. And to be fair, there were other Acura teams at some of the in some of the years right. that also contributed. So it wasn't a you know solely a, 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 a real time. Thing. Does that make real time the winningest Honda team in racing? history i don't know that they have a, a page for that in right. their in their book you but, hear that mike shank you better step the f up <laughs> you hear that mike shank you better step the f up mike shank he's not listening he's not listening to this <laughs> he's listening to his on repeat <laughs> <laughs> all right let's pull ryan out of the conversation for a second you've had pierre kleinabing galati did eric curran drive for you eric yeah. curran yeah. drove hugh plum so, Matt Plum. Oh, geez. Okay. So this is going to make for an excellent question. Kuno Whitmer. Brandon Davis. Kuno Whitmer, who right. Bill Riley hates. Yeah, yeah but yeah. he's gorgeous. Well, <laughs> Bill can hate him all he wants. He's still a beautiful he's man. Gorgeous, he's but a he's gorgeous, but he's also man. he's a douchebag. Well, so, Bill, so Bill Riley's is, words. This is my question. <laughs> pull Ryan out. Biggest douche. <laughs> oh, put I'm me back pull in. Pull Ryan out. Put me back pull in. Ryan put me back in. No, no, you're out. I'm going Curran. Is it Curran? Tell me it's Curran. Curran is a dick. He's not a douche. The ball busting that takes place with Petey and like all the old right. school World Challenge guys is pretty phenomenal. Who, who, who took it the best? Who Your took it the best? Yeah. Well, not Ryan. No, he's no. out of it. Yeah, yeah I'm Ryan's out of, out of this yeah, equation. He's in, he's in front of you. He can't. He can't count. I want somebody that can't defend themselves. Brandon Davis. I was gonna say Brandon Davis. Yeah. I could see him being like, well, cause, ah. Cause Brandon's such a, just a nice kid. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, yeah. he's, he's, it's he's very harmless. It's yeah. Fake. It's oh, it's horse fake. Okay, yeah. cool. So, so, so he's Colonel Whitmer. Too. Uh, well, Brandon's kind of a handsome man himself. Okay. You know. Okay. This is really just about my love fest. You just for love men, men in the past. Right. Softest lips. I think Go. Erica Davis <laughs> is a little prettier than Brandon. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, he definitely outkicked his coverage. Um. <laughs> <laughs> now, we've had a lot of really nice people on the team, and frankly, uh, you know, we didn't want. A driver, no matter how good they were, we didn't want them to be on the team if they were a douche. Sure. And yet you picked Ryan. He didn't pick me. I picked him. Oh, f*** <laughs> off. <laughs> you. <laughs> so, uh, what, so, so when the time for the TLX came and you guys had to pick a second driver, somehow Ryan's name was one of a few that were on the cards. How did, how did, uh, how did his name kind of come out of the hat? Well, I think that it was, you know, there were a number of people that could have been there, and I didn't really know Ryan because yeah. I hadn't really been running in that series that right. he had been running in as religiously as I had back in the old days right. um, in, in some of that endurance stuff. But uh, I think Lee Neffenegger um, brought his name. Lee Neffenegger, who's from HPD. Correct. Right. Yeah, he's a project. He's our, yeah, he's yeah. our large project leader for right. HPD. He formerly was kind of in charge of the road, the road racing side of Honda performance development. Right. So he would handle like the ST program for Honda development. Like you know, basically they would develop the parts, the engines through real time, and 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 HPD and Torrance. Are they in Torrance? 
They're in Valencia, they're in Valencia, Valencia California. Honda's Florida. in Honda's in Torrance. Honda's yeah, in Torrance. Yeah, yeah. HM. Um, and then uh, and also the World Challenge parts and kits. You know what I mean? And so then he got basically a pretty big promotion to be able to take on the TLX GT project. You know, that's a big step up. And now right. he's heading the NSX as well. But yeah, he he was the but one. But he that was kind of your guy that advocated for you. Yeah. Yeah. Did it bother you that Ryan did not have a nickname? <laughs> Who there's oh, other guys he, like he's got a nickname. Oh, he does now. Yeah. Okay. No, actually, I do. That's right. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> We're editing. Yeah. Okay. Here we go. Come on. I gotta know. I, even if it's even if it doesn't make the cut, I want to know. I need to hear it. Make me well, happy. It's not Rye Rye. Okay. Well. It has to be a girl's name because Ryan's kind of a chick. You sure? Okay. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll yeah. back you up. Keep it that. up. Keep it up. So here's the thing. That That's okay. I don't know anything on this. Yeah. So, so they start calling me last year. I had Why? no idea because <laughs> 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 math might be generous. Oh, <laughs> underselling it. Um, um, obviously, you've been in the World Challenge paddock a long time. Um, you're familiar with uh, uh, the multi-time champion Johnny O'Connell. I am. Oh, um, right. You do a good Johnny O'Connell impression, actually. <laughs> he does. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't want to do All it. All right. <laughs> can't do it on demand. Uh, well, he, here's my question with him. How, despite being such a public figure, how does nobody know that he tried to murder Dario Franchitti? I have no idea. Yeah. I did not know that. Oh. Interesting. So in case you ever needed to know, Johnny has been a second faster than anyone else he's ever driven against ever. Oh. Yeah. He has a second. Yeah, that's pretty everybody. fast. Yeah. Yeah. He exactly. should have been an F1. Yeah. He'd have been a second quicker than Senna. Right. Easily. Right. Yeah. He would have been the same. But then everybody else would have been. But everybody yeah, else. Yeah. yeah. You can have two Senna. He's my age. Sure. Is he? Yeah. It's yeah. weird. Does it bother you that he's a second faster than you? He's probably second and a half faster than me. Wow. Talk a little bit of business, just because I don't know that people completely get, you know, like the difference between World Challenge and IMSA. We all understand the racing differences, but from a business standpoint, you know, IMSA is owned by NASCAR. They have sort of a board of directors and then, a, you know, sort of a hierarchy built from, from below there. But uh, World Challenge is run by, I guess you'd call it a company, WC Vision. Correct. And and that's actually sort of a, a series of, of owners who some of them run teams, including yourself, Correct. That's true. Yeah, we um, this started many years ago as World Challenge was fledging and not really on an ascent. This was like 2008-7? Yeah, I'd say it was closer to 2006, 2007 okay. this started to right. crop up. And how it kind of started is that and we didn't know where it was going to manifest. Up until this time, SCCA Pro was basically right. running. It was, all of it was an SCCA Pro series, right. run commercially everything. Right. And, right, and during the Speed Vision years, it got quite a boost from the sponsorship from Speed, Speed Vision. Right. And kind of got used to that model. And as the Speed Vision faucet started to slowly turn down, there really was no leadership that could see what to do kind of commercial and maybe there was liability. nothing that anybody could do but right. it just it wasn't working sure so a group of us in the paddock kind of formed an owners group and that consisted of myself john doonan from mazda oh, okay. and I didn't dave that. spitzer who yeah. was the cadillac right cadillac yeah. uh you know yeah project leader so we 
had some meetings with the other owners and everybody's on board and we kind of came up with some ideas and uh, to try to market the series. So we basically went to SCCA Pro and said, hey, you know, how much money are you going to put into this thing so that we can improve going, this and yeah. improve that? Sure. And they're like, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> so then we went back and had some more meetings and it's like, well, we need to help ourselves, so we'll put in a dollar. So we went back to SCCA Pro and said, hey, you know, if, if we put in a dollar, will you put in a dollar? No. And the answer is no. Right. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, they didn't have it and they didn't yeah. see the future. So Well, and I assume on SCCA's radar, you're one of dozens of things they've got going on, even though you were like the flagship pro series. We were maybe evolving into that, but we weren't yeah. always because Trans Am was, you know, kind of... Uh, in its heyday was was right. was it and, and Pirelli World Challenge or whatever they called it then, Speed Vision World Challenge um, was not, uh, you know, it was the second tier for sure at the, in those in that era. Right. So anyway, one thing led to another, and we were able between a group of owners who were willing to put in some money, we were able to buy the marketing rights from SCCA Pro Racing. Um, so that's how it started. So on July 2nd, 2008, um, at, at this point, John Doonan and Mazda had kind of gone in a different direction, so he was gone. Dave Spitzer and Cadillac was gone, and now it was just Bob Woodhouse and myself that were there trying to figure out a way to stop the decline and try to turn the thing around. Right. And so, you know, we didn't have a, a, a great plan, right. but we knew we needed to do something right. or the whole thing was just going to implode on itself. So on July 2nd, 2008, we did that and uh, grew from there. Right. Um, but then... And that's and so SCCA is our sanctioning body. SCCA Pro Racing but is our a, sanctioning body. But that's a collective body. choice from you within the ownership. In other words, right. they, can, they can go and it could be somebody else if, if it came down to it. But I suppose. Yeah, yeah, I'm not saying that's going to happen. Right. Um, so within the ownership right now, it's PD Cumming, Cunningham of, of real time, uh, Bob Woodhouse, formerly of Woodhouse Motorsports. Perform Woodhouse performance, performance. Woodhouse Performance, excuse me. Rob Morgan, formerly of True Speed. Charles Morgan. Charles Morgan. Rob's father. Rob's father. Okay. Um, and then is there anybody else? Jim Huey. Okay. K-Pax. K-Pax. Right. K-Pax. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Stefan Rattel. Okay. From Who SRO. Runs SRO, exactly. He's so our newest uh, investor. So everybody there except for uh, Stefan Rattel and... Basically, with, with the Morgans out of True Speed, uh, excluding them, everybody has a stake in a team. And you know, thinking back to my my love of open wheels and and you know what happened with Champ Car, how much of a conflict of interest is there right now with the fact that that you've got board members who also have very specific interests in their race teams doing well or their manufacturing partners or whoever they are? That's a great question, and I would say that um, from the start, we're very aware of the impression that that could create so from the beginning we've had a separation of church and state sure. um, so the you know and now it's just Jim Huey and myself we have no say the other board members um, don't have a say um, the what the board what the investor group handles is only a 10,000 foot 
It's basically you put the key figures in place. Greg Gill as president is in charge, and but you effectively give Greg and his guys everything. To all the keys to go do as you say, even if it works against you. Right. Okay. So we were talking yeah. about this with Brad Kettler, um, who has obviously his specific role within. I think he's my age too. Is he? Good guy. Know. Wow. How do you know yeah. all that? <laughs> <laughs> but you know, Brad has a very specific role within Audi Sport customer racing to make the cars go fast and also to sell cars. You have a unique perspective in the world of sort of BOP for three or four reasons. You obviously you have a stake in a series that's which means it's in your best interest to have as many cars out there as possible. Um, obviously, you run a team, and so you always want to have, as a team owner, you want to have the best performance advantage possible. But you also ran in a variety of series and dominated for a little while when BOP maybe wasn't such a talked about thing you know, in, in the mid-90s. Um, we're hearing a lot of people these days complain about BOP left and right. And my question is, do you, is it a sort of a necessary evil for the customer nature of where racing is at right now? Has this always been like this? And it's just that people have more access to the information now and so they complain more? I think so, but I think that certainly it's been a work in progress and it continues to be a work in progress on just how the science of determining BOP is accomplished. Back in the day when it was still going on um, in periods of semi-domination from you know, the Integra Type R's, for example, um, you know, uh, it was going on, but some of the tools they used then was radar guns on the back straightaway. <laughs> right. Oh, wow. Okay. And, and lap times. Yeah. So you would say there probably wasn't as much attention to it simply because they didn't have the tools to be able to measure it more Well, deeply. you know, I, mean, I, I guess, yeah, I think data has come a long way, and the tools that they have now for measuring, you know, the performance potential of cars is, is you know, night and day, you know, night and day. And, you know... We want to balance the cars, but the reality is to this day, we're balancing the cars, teams, driver combinations. Yeah, exactly. So, so based it's not on a that, perfect science, if, right. if we had but it's probably a necessary evil to promote competitive racing. Yeah, right. Right. Because if someone is allowed to come in and, and win all the races, who are they going to race against? You're right. right. Yeah. So thinking of like the glory days of the 80s and 90s, would you say that if they had the tools we have today, there would have been more BOP talk and nonsense uh, in those days than there would be today? I would argue that, uh, you know, we'd have had a bigger advantage. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. I like that. So we do a pass along question. You're actually going to like this one uh, because I don't think Eddie Gossage knew what he was who he was dealing with. So uh, his question was for P.D. Cunningham, has there ever been in the history of production cars of Honda a motorcycle-powered car? Um, no. Yes. Apparently there was. <laughs> According to Eddie Gossett. Yeah. Well, <laughs> certainly the technology from the motorcycle engines that they had been building right. went into the engines that they were building for road cars. So he, he swears there was a... I thought I wrote this it down. Is, this is way out of my... Yeah, expertise. we have to listen to his episode now. <laughs> <laughs> he, he swears there was a, uh, a motorcycle-powered Honda, and I want to say he said it was like a like the engine out of like a CB350 or something and a small Honda car. This is the most fascinating <laughs> pass-along question. <laughs> I, I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> 
fail. <laughs> yeah, cool. So, no. We'll just edit after that when you go, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so lunch today, well, in like an hour. Yeah, we, as soon as we're done here, we're off to lunch. Yeah. Uh, we'll be with Ricky Stenhouse. Okay. NASCAR driver. Uh, any question you would ever want to ask Ricky Stenhouse? What era would you have rather commenced your NASCAR career in if you weren't the age that you are now? Oh, we really do have to go. Uh, all right. So, brand new NSX program, literally here at SEMA. Yesterday it was announced that Ryan and Peter Cox will be driving. Uh, go. <laughs> <laughs> no. what, do you, what are you guys expecting? Well, I think that everybody um, understands what our jobs are, and, um, you know, it's our intention to contend for the championship in 2017 in our first year. We've got a badass car that um, is very well put together, and uh, we're going to be working very hard to to breathe on it, to, to make it the best that it can be from the start of the year. Okay, you know if you turn wrenches, it usually works better than just breathing on it. Okay, I'll oh. pass that along. Oh. Okay, the guys so the guy, let the guys know. Yeah, Sean I mean, Heckman said. I am just a PR guy, <laughs> but try more than breathing. Right. Um, but there's, you know, 12 or 13 other manufacturers there with the same idea that have time on their side as far as experience with their platform. Um, and, you know, many of them are you know, world-class teams as well. So we, I think, have a balance of, of our objectives for the year. But um, when we're not on the top step of the podium, we want to have reliability and uh, good decision-making from the team's perspective and the driver's perspective to, to get a fourth place or a eighth place or a second place when we're not winning races. So. Um, you know, we just have to see how it goes, but I don't, I don't know that we can do anything more than we're doing to prepare, and, and we're looking forward to it for sure. Now, you guys, uh, from what I understand, we're pretty fixed in as the NSX World Challenge team. The process of the team they were going to choose in IMSA was a bidding process for a few teams that were involved. Um, two things. One, since you're kind of the go-to Honda team and you've been for so long, was, do you have to go through any of that when it comes to World Challenge racing, or, was, or did you get the call years ago that they're already developing this NSX and, and you're the guy, can you get involved with us now? You know, it's a little bit of a quandary because, you know, Real Time doesn't want the responsibility of doing the TLX program or the NSX program just because of our tenure. Okay. Um, we don't want them to give it to us because they feel sorry for us or that we have, you know, they, they somehow feel obliged because this is just how we've always done it. Right. I think that, you know, real-time stock has, um, has always, you know, had a certain positive uh, sense from their company over the years, and I think that the TLX era tested that, but I think that... Uh, since they were living and breathing our program for the first time, because really before TLX, we didn't really have inv in involvement from HPD. There was some affiliations there, but really they weren't living and breathing it with us. So I think that the TLX era and, and the struggles that we had, the challenges that we had, 
the adversity that we had and the success that we've managed um, has uh, strengthened our position at Honda as a go-to partner. So um, I think that that had something to do with us, you know, getting the NSX program. And as far as who got the IMSA program, um, you know, that we weren't involved in that. Right. Um, Did you want that program? Um, well, of course, we would have wanted to do it all. Sure. But, uh, no, it made sense. You know, we are the stalwarts in Pirelli World Challenge. And right. Michael Shanks got the experience in the endurance platform. Sure. You know, we've had that, I've had that personally years ago, but it hasn't been in many years. Right. That, that strategy element and all yeah, of that. As, a, as that, an organization, you yeah. haven't done a race like that right. in a while. So, you know, that, that was fine. But I think that... Uh, now that we've gotten to know Mike and his team, you know, compared to before where we just, you know, knew of them and right. said, hey, how's it going, you know. Um, they certainly, you know, HPD did well yeah, in, in selecting. <laughs> I'm sure he's did not as, you know, nice to his drivers and his crew. I don't know. He was I out am. drinking late last night with me. Was I mean, really? with other people. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> Right, and Real Time has now worked with the Shank guys right. hand in hand on the development of the car. These guys have been at preseason tests together and that sort of thing. Right, yeah. and to throw all the Shank guys and all the Real Time guys and then a bunch of HPD guys yeah. into a pile. Plus, then you have Italians because the car's being produced by Jazz Motorsports from Italy. <laughs> so it's like this big come together and. Everything I've been at's been awesome. Like to have all these really good. egos, yeah, and everything. Well, it sounds like that scene in Anchorman, right? Where they all fight. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's been it's been it's been pretty amazing. I don't yeah. know of what two other teams could collaborate right. Right. from day one. Yeah, yeah, and as bad things happen, then you know, really not have all hands on fingers. deck to yeah. right. to work together to. to and not get stuck in that, oh, I don't know what those Shank guys are doing, but uh, like here we wouldn't have done that. Right. Top five movies in Petey Cunningham's favorite movie list. Caddyshack. Yes. I got nothing after that. Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Stripes. Okay. I'm noticing a very specific <laughs> era. Um, Uncle Buck. Uncle Buck. <laughs> Holy fuck, did I not call it? Okay. Uncle Buck. Yeah. Anything here. with John Candy. Here's a quarter. <laughs> Take this thing downtown and have a rat eat that thing <laughs> off, off your face. face. <laughs> Good day, madam. Good day, madam. So John Candy, Steve Martin, Bill Murray, 80s, early 90s. That's Adam time. Sandler. Okay. Yeah. Best Adam Sandler movie. Billy Madison. <laughs> yes, thank you. <laughs> no, I'm in. I'm totally in. All right, best racing movie. Uh, got nothing for you. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. Well, I'm good. Continental's got the check. I'm finished. Wow, that was such a great episode. That guest really knew how to tell a story. Well, yeah, Ryan, that's your boss. You should feel that way. You're welcome, Sean. I'm right here. Now, Petey is not my boss. And in fact, I'd never met him before. And uh, I walked away really, really liking the guy. Funny. Cool to hang out with. Com 
completely understood what we were doing. So uh, I'm a fan. I'm definitely a fan. Anyway, uh, we will uh, close out of here with a, uh, a band that we've played a few times before. I'm a big fan of them as well. They're called the Agrolites. Uh, cool little uh, L.A.-based reggae band. Uh, this is a song that I just thought would be fun. It's called Pop the Trunk on iTunes. The Agrolites are going to funk my bumper. Wow! Hit 